So before we start, let's have a word of prayer once again, okay? Our dearly Father, I thank you once again for the blessed Sabbath day you have given to us. And as we're going to open your words and read your words, I pray you give us your wisdom and knowledge so that we're able to understand every single words that we read. And also pour us your Holy Spirit so that our hearts can be convicted and also apply all of them in our lives as well. Please guide us through throughout this session. For we pray in Jesus' name, Amen. Okay, so the title of today's sermon is Self-Sacrifice and Persevere. First of all, this title doesn't seem so nice to your ear, right? You have to sacrifice and you have to persevere. But we are sacrificing every day as we follow the footsteps of Christ. That goes without saying. But it also constantly reminds us to not go back to the world we once belonged to. Let's reminds us not to go back to the sin that we once longed for. But there's one question that people always ask. I'm not too sure if you guys have this question before. Is sacrifice equal to obedience? Or in other words, is sacrifice more important than obedience or the other way around? Let's go to 1 Samuel, uh, 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. 1 Samuel chapter 15, verse 22. The Bible says, And Samuel said, Have the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord. Behold, the obey is better than sacrifice and to hearken than the fat of rams. So notice the verse where it says to obey is better than sacrifice. But we all know the sacrifice here points to the burnt offerings, right? It's not literally like sacrifice your time or whatever it is. But how do we apply all of this in our current time? Is to sacrifice our money, to sacrifice our time, sacrifice our energy to follow Him. Because obedience just couldn't work without sacrifice. For example, Sabbath. You need to sacrifice your time to come to church. You need to sacrifice your work, your studies, to fully commit your time into Him during a Sabbath day. So... Sacrificing just two to three hours in church is just not enough because most of the people that, including me last time, I would go to church for two, three hours and then go back to my own world after that. I go to do my studies, I go hang out with my friends, go to watch the movies or things like that. But what he wants from us is obedience. It's not just the just enough sacrifice. Like, I go to church for two, three hours, I think it's enough already. It's never enough. But what he really wants from us is a true sacrifice and it will only come in when obedience is being done. So when you really have the thirst to obey him, the true sacrifice will come in and it will come with joy. It will not, it will not come with like full of like burdens or sadness in your heart. But what kind of sacrifice are we going through these days? Can you think of any? Let's go to Psalms 51, verse 17. Psalms 51, verse 17. Is everyone there? Psalms 51, verse 17. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit. And broken and a contrite heart, O God, thou wilt not despise. So, sacrificing will always cause, at the beginning, cause a broken heart at some point of your life. So, first of all, for example, our pride will always 
click onto our heart. It will trembles our heart when we tend to sacrifice because our pride will always stop us from doing that. Do I really need to sacrifice my studies that, or even my job that I can earn thousands or even millions of ringgit just to obey you, just to follow you completely? Do I really need to do that? Do I really need to sacrifice so much? Isn't just following the Ten Commandments enough? People always think following the Ten Commandments is enough. But this is just the point of justification. Sanctification didn't kick in yet. But I believe all of you guys know, sanctification is a work of a lifetime. You would, there's no point of your life that you can truly say you are sanctified. You can only go through a process of sanctification. But I'll put that aside first. What else does the sacrifice, what, what other kind of sacrifice are we going through? Let's go to Romans 12, verse 1. Romans 12, verse 1. The Bible says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, and ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. So, notice the beginning of the verse. It said, I beseech you, therefore, brethren. It's never a forcing. God always never forces to obey His Word. He gave us a choice. But He is actually hoping for us to follow Him completely rather than our own desires. It's never, our, it's never like God says, you have to do that. If not, you die. He never said this kind of thing. But he's, He was always every day on a daily basis or even an hourly basis, not on our hearts saying, follow me and I will give you whatever that you need to follow me. But our sacrifice in simple terms nowadays normally is enduring temptations, casting away all the temptations, enduring your trials, suffering, or even your works that is happening on Sabbath or your exams having on Sabbath. All these things that are crampling upon your eyes. But is it really that hard to follow? Let's keep on going. Hebrews 13 verse 16. Hebrews 13 verse 16. The Bible says, but to do good and to communicate, forget not. For with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. So, one thing that we need to remember that all the good works that we do, that we might think that we do, sometimes doesn't come from the teaching of Christ. And we have to always remind ourselves everything that we do is according to what He tells us to do, not according to what our mind thinks. And one more thing, we should always be, always be reminded that even no favor will be returned. You know, sometimes we sacrifice and we don't see any fruits coming back. And we don't see um, the blessings that God given to us. But let's remember not to always seek for what will be returned, but seek for the kingdom to be coming. But we, have the, we, we should have the mindset where it says, do it for the sake of Christ. Not do it for the sake of my salvation, but do it for the sake of Christ. Because if we always care about our own salvation and not care about others, what's the point of the gospel? You might as well just listen to the gospel to yourself and just stay at home all the, all the time. But good works doesn't really just mean whatever you do in your private time, but whatever you do for others as well. It comes with great sacrifices when you think about it. Imagine you have to go to a like, missionary trip, go to Cambodia or Vietnam like that. 
used to sleep in your king-size bed, and suddenly you have to sleep on a bed we have no, has no bed at all, only the, the, the metal thing. These are all the things that you have to sacrifice. You might think that, oh, this is fine for me, lah. but to some people, this is unacceptable at all. This is where the sacrifices comes in. But how do we actually are able to fully commit to Him? Through His Word. How? Let's go to Luke 9, verse 57 to 62. Luke 9, verse 57 to 62. I believe most of us are familiar with this story. But I'll read first. And it came to pass that as they went in the way, a certain man said unto him, Lord, I will follow thee with whithersoever thou goest. And Jesus said unto him, Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests. And the Son of Man had not where to lay his head. And he said unto another, Follow me. But he said, Lord, suffer me first to go and bury my father. Verse 60, Jesus said unto him, Let the dead bury their dead. But go thou and preach the kingdom of God. And another also said, Lord, I will follow thee, but let me first go bid them farewell, which are at home at my house. And this is the most important verse. And Jesus said unto him, No man, having put his hand to the plough, and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. This man is willing to follow him completely. But there's one thing that is holding back. What is that one thing that happened? He wants to bury his father first. He wants to do a farewell first. But how does it apply to us? Before we completely follow to God, oh, let me finish my semester first. Let me finish my studies first before I fully commit my life to Him. Let me finish my work first. This, this month, this work is very important. The workload is so much that I really have to commit. If not, I'll be, get fired. Or even things that we can do before we keep the Sabbath. Let me like, um, get my, all my workers to get used to my um, Sabbath keeping first so that they, are, they don't have to follow what, what I'm doing. But what did Jesus say here? He said, No man having put his hand to the plough and looking back is fit for the kingdom of God. If we want to be fit in the kingdom of God, in other words, if he wants to follow him completely, follow his footsteps, what we have to do is to never look back. Never looking back, in some sense, we can think it as a sacrifice. There's so much temptation for us to go back to, let's say, um, going back to um, the worldly things like watching movies, like um, doing things that are not according to His Word. But sacrificing studies, sacrificing work, sacrificing even relationships, Sometimes it's so hard to do because is it even worth it? Is it even worth the sacrifice that I make? But Jesus has made it very clear. If we don't do it, we are just literally and simply not fit for His kingdom at all. So, what is the promise that God gave us if we sacrifice for Him? Sacrifice in a sense where obedience comes in. Not just the just enough sacrifice as I said just now. What promise did He give us? Let's go to Hebrews 9, verse 28. Hebrews 9, verse 28. The Bible says, So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many. 
And unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. I believe all of us can agree that Jesus has did, done the greatest sacrifice of all human mankind on earth, which is to die for all our sins. But all we got to do is just obey him. Don't obey him blindly, of course. First of all, you have to know him. And you would then have faith in him. And you will naturally obey him. And the sacrifice will just come in without you even knowing. Because we have so much burden in our heart. Like, we care more about this. We care more about our studies. We care more about our work. We care more about our relationship. That just means that God is not number one. God is not your priority. Whoever that you put first, that is your God. Your work can be your God. Your money can be your God. Your relationship can be your God. Because He has so much control in you that God just is a secondary thing for you already. If I can do it, I'll do it. Lah. So, He actually promises that as we look for Him, what does the word say? He shall appear the second time without sin and salvation to save us. So, let's think about it as we listen to this message. As we look into this verse, let's think about it. That how are we supposed to readjust our life? In a sense where how are we supposed to obey Him completely without any holding back, without any looking back, without any longing for the temptations that we used to like so long for. Okay? Now, I've been talking about sacrifices for this past 10 to 15 minutes, but what do we have to do after sacrificing? Because, you know, sacrificing, first of all, it doesn't even sound nice. It's a negative thing, if you think about it. It's a negative action. Because you have to sacrifice one thing for another. In economic terms, opportunity cost. You have to sacrifice one product to get another product out. But were there times that you couldn't handle the sacrifices or the trials that you face? Relationship, work, family issues, or even studies. What is the first thing that we have to do if we are faced with all these kind of trials and tribulations, which are causing us to sacrifice? What is the first thing you have to do? Let's go to Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3. Hebrews 12, verse 1 to 3. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Verse 2, Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross despising the shame, and is set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Verse 3, For consider him that endured such contradiction of sinners against himself, lest ye be wearied and faint in your minds. So what is the first thing we have to do? From verse 1, what's the first thing we have to do? Is to lay aside every weight, whatever that is holding you back from the, the heavy things that you have to f- carry along by following, by following Christ. To put aside everything that are causing our Christian walk with Him, slow down. What else? Lay aside our sin. I don't think I have to further explain this. The another one is run with the patient. Uh, Run with patience the race. So why is this race 
What do you think this race is? In contextually, I would put trials. Run with patience the trials, the trials that you are going through. But what gives us hope from verse 2? Jesus, because He is the author and the finisher of our faith. So, Christ has endured a way bigger trials than whatever we are going through. He's always tempted every single day of His life. He's always tested every single day of His life. But did He ever fall? Never. But we are here sitting down, struggling and thinking, oh, should, I, should, I forget, uh, should I forget my studies this weekend? Should I forget my work this weekend? Jesus has gone through even, like, I, I have no idea like, how big of a trial he has been through, extremely, like, like ultimately, but I believe it's way beyond us. So, what else can we do when you're faced with all these trials and sacrificing that we have done? Philippians 3, verse 14. Let's go to Philippians 3, verse 14. The Bible says, I press toward the mark for the price of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. So in other words, to make this verse clearer, it means we should be pressing, running towards the goal of the high calling of Christ Jesus. How do we, how do we illustrate this? How do we press forward? How do we run forward to the goal of Christ Jesus? Let's go to Proverbs 24, verse 16. Proverbs 24, verse 16. The Bible says, For a just man falleth seven times and rises up again, but the wicked shall fall into mischief. So, let's always remember that we might fall the first time, we might fall the second time. Let's always rise up. For the sake of Christ, not for the sake of us, for the sake of Christ. But from this verse, you can also clearly see that if we fall and we don't rise up, we will be the wicked one and we will be falling into mischief. I believe none of us want to be in that particular situation, in that status at all, at any point of your life. Okay? So, how are we supposed to face all these trials? in a more easier way to understand. Let's go to Romans 5, verse 2 to verse 4. Romans 5, verse 2 to 4. The Bible says, By whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Verse 3, And, only, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope. So, we can see faith here, we can see hope here, we can see glory here So in tribulation. But what is the most important thing that we have to see here? We can see that glory in tribulations, and tribulation worketh patience, patience worketh experience, and experience worketh hope. So without patience, if we look back, without patience, can we have hope? No. Without patience, hope simply just cannot develop. It's impossible. But what is patience in other words? It's to persevere. It's to endure. It's to endure through all the trials and persecution that is hitting you. It's coming towards you. It's to endure through all these things. 
But what did God say about this kind of tribulation then? 1 Peter 5, verse 10. 1 Peter 5, verse 10. But the God of all grace, who have called us unto His eternal glory by Christ Jesus, after that ye have suffered a while, make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. So when we suffer, as long as we ask, He will make us perfect if we have anything to be adjusted. Anything. Let it be like, if uh, I'm, I'm struggling with uh, my devotion, Pretty sure, I'm very, very sure that He'll give you the knowledge and wisdom, give you the energy whenever you need to do devotion, as long as we ask. Which will come in the next point I'm going to say, which is prayer. But God, will always, also, uh, God also said that if we suffer for a while, He will make us perfect, establish, strengthen, and settle you. I think perfect, establish, and strengthen, we are quite familiar what it means. But what does it mean by settle you? What does it mean by... God will settle you. Settling means is to lay us a good foundation whenever we are faced with all this kind of trials and tribulation. Whenever we are faced with sacrifices we have to make at this particular point of time, He'll give us the good foundation so that we can stand firm whenever we are, we are trying to get moved by something. Okay? But what do we need to do next? What else do we need to do next? Let's go to Romans 12, verse 12. Romans 12, verse 12. What do we need to do next? Rejoicing in hope, patient in tribulation, continuing instant in prayer. So I believe this is very relevant to the previous verse that you just read. We can see rejoicing in hope, we can see patient in tribulation. But what is the another important thing that we should be all be doing is prayer. How often do we pray when we are struck with tribulation? We always seek for worldly help. Hey, um, friend, can you help me with this? I'm, I'm totally puzzled with all these things. Hey, um, maybe I can solve this by myself. I just need more time in it. But do we actually seek God first? I'm not saying about I lost my paper. I need to pray for, to God first. I'm not saying about all those small things. Although, God cares about all these small things. But what are we actually looking for is our complete reliance, absolute reliance onto God. Whenever we are struck with problems that we cannot solve, He will be the first one we seek for. If we have solution on earth already, yes, you can go ahead. But if there's no solution, let us not try to seek for friends to help first. Let us not find out for our own wisdom to help first, but let us find God to help first. Okay? Let's rethink about that. How often do we prioritize Him first? Not just during good times, during bad times. These two things come together. God doesn't just want to celebrate our good times. He wants to help us in our bad times as well. And often we only seek Him, seek him during bad times and not good times. But this is not the point of my sermon. The point of my sermon is to always seek Him whenever we strike with problems, trials, sacrifices we have to make and we struggle upon it. But what else do we have to do? 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 13. 2 Thessalonians 3, verse 13. I believe those that uh, attend Sabbath school every week is very familiar with this verse. 
But ye, brethren, be not weary in well-doing. Be not weary in well-doing. What is well-doing? Anybody know what, what's well-doing? It's to act uprightly. It's to live virtuously. In other words, it's to follow Him completely. But He tells us not to be weary, not to be tired, not to be, uh, not to be like weary in doing all his, all, the, all his things. But here's the picture. Because of our well-doing, because we are doing the righteous things, does it mean that we just stop right there? Does it mean that if we stand firm in the faith and we just stop right there and we stop, uh, we just stop whatever that we need to do next? No. Because this well-doing aka acting uprightly and also living uh, virtuously is the same meaning as being sanctified. Do you get me? Being about, being um, in the action of well-doing is equal to the process of sanctification. And this is actually the result of standing firm in the faith of His. So, because sometimes we are like doing the right things, doing the good things, and we are scared that our friend, our parents would be like, why are you doing this? Why are you like being so different to everybody else? There are two groups of people that you will see when you're doing good things, when you're doing God's, following the first time of Him. There are two groups of people you will see. The first one is the one that actually uh, glorifying God because He likes whatever you do, He admires whatever you do, He envies whatever you do because Whatever you're doing is reflecting the glory of His. So, indirectly, or even directly, I would say, that person is glorifying God. But the second group is whatever what I want to um, focus on right now. It's those that thinking like, hey, there's nothing wrong in watching movies. Lah. Just come. Lah. It's just having so much fun. But because of us being standing so firm in the faith, sometimes we are discouraged by all the words that people are going to strike us, which is the tribulation and trials that we are facing. Because we want to suit the, suit the taste of my, uh, your parents, suit the taste of my friends. Maybe I just um, leave aside God first, I just follow first. Follow whatever my friend wants to do. And after that, I come back, I confess my sin. Or after I come back, I follow even more. I sacrifice even more for Him. Is that what He wants? No. What He wants us is to practice true obedience to Him. When true obedience comes in, true sacrifice will come in. And you will not be caring whatever people talk about you. Because what you know, whatever you do, is right. Okay? Let's go to Job 17, verse 9. Job 17, verse 9. The Bible says, The righteous also shall hold on his way. And he that hath clean hands shall be stronger and stronger. So, let make, let's take, make one statement clear. From this verse, we can clearly say, see that the righteous are not going to fall at all. If we are righteous in every part of our life, we will not fall. But what's the, another important part that gives us encouragement so much is that instead of the right doings, instead those that we do that is the right doings, will make us stronger and stronger in the f- when we are facing all these kinds of trials and tribulation. We are facing sacrifice that we have to make. 
it will be like, instead of, ah, I really have to sacrifice all these things, uh, into the point where you say that, okay, I'll just do it. I know it's right, I'll do it. You will not be thinking, like, struggling so much when thinking, like, measuring, should I be following this first or this first? When you're up to the point of that point of life, you'll be thinking, like, I'll just do it. I won't even think of the consequences that you're going to make. For example, going for, uh, skipping exams during Sabbath, I, I will not even care about the results that I'm going to get. I won't even care about the consequences that the coordinator is going to give me. Whether to retake my subject, whether to re- redo my exam, whether to pay everything again, I don't care. Because God has planned for everything. So, before I close, I got one um, pass of impression to share. Can um, we go? Oh, it's already here. Okay, so I'll read. If we uh, it's from uh, Alan, uh, it's from early writings, page forty-six, paragraph two. It says, "If we overcome our trials and get victory over the temptations of Satan, then we endure the trial of our faith, which is more precious than gold, and are stronger and better prepared to meet the next." But if we sink down and give way to the temptations of Satan, we shall grow weaker and get no reward for the trial and shall, be, shall not be so well prepared for the next. In this way, we shall grow weaker and weaker until we are led captive by Satan at his will. We must have on the whole armor of God and be ready at any moment for a conflict with the power of darkness. When temptations and trials rush in upon us, let us go to God and agonize with Him in prayer. He will not turn us away empty, but will give us grace and strength to overcome and to break the power of the enemy. There's five points I want to get from this um, pencil inspiration, this, this quote. Endurance will help us to prepare for the next trial. It doesn't just stop there. Trial just won't stop coming. Like, you, you think that you've gone through the greatest trial of all time. Be, be ready. A greater one is coming. Trial just won't grow smaller and smaller. It will grow bigger and bigger and bigger. Because it's to test our faith. And it also reveals our faith as well. Second point. If we fall, we must rise up again. If not, we will grow weaker and weaker. Remember the previous verse in Job, it says, in he that have clean hands, we shall grow stronger and stronger. Here, in the other hands, we will grow weaker and weaker if we do not rise up again. In third point, go to God when we are faced with trials. How to go to God nowadays? Prayer. There's no, no other way. To only communicate with God is only through prayer. And fourth, He promised us as long as we be faithful in all our doings. He promised us that He will not leave us alone. And He will give us strength and grace to overcome the enemy. And this enemy in this context, in this context means the trials and tribulations and all the sacrifices they have to make. He will overcome all these things. He will take away all the burdens in your heart. Take away all the sadness in your heart. So in summary, what are the things that we have to do to sacrifice and endure all these things? First, lay aside our weight. Put aside all the things that we have longed for. Put aside all the bad, bad habits that bring no benefits to the Word of God. Put that all aside. What else? As I said just now, if we fall, rise up. Don't just fall and that's it. Waiting for God to 
pick you up without doing anything. It's not going to happen. We have to rise up by ourselves. How do we get the energy? God will give us as long as we ask. Which is our, my third point, is prayer. Prioritize prayer whenever we are faced with bad situation. And fourth, be not wary in well-doing. Being justified is not enough. What we need is going through the process of sanctification throughout our whole life. And don't be tired of doing it because God in heaven is smiling seeing us doing all these good things. And lastly, stand firm in the faith. As we go through trials, one trials over another, our faith will only grow. Keep on growing and growing and growing. So friends, let's put aside all the worldly matters and follow Him completely. And He will give us whatever we need to follow Him in His walk. Amen? So as we sing this song, Does Jesus Care? Let's remember that Jesus cares about everything that we go through. Let's know that He cares the small things that are happening in our lifetime as well. And He will give us strength and grace to overcome all of them. Okay, let us pray. Our dear Father in heaven, we want to thank you once again for the blessed Sabbath day you've given to us. And please continue to give us your Holy Spirit to consistently remind us that you are in charge of all things in this world. And you will give us strength and grace to overcome all the trials, all the sacrifices that we have to make, that you will give us joy in doing all those things. And please continue to give, uh, guide us and lead us throughout this Sabbath day. And um, please uh, continue to bless us throughout this week as well. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.